Please remain standing as we read from God's holy word. We're going to be reading out of the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 3 through 14. That is Matthew 24, verses 3 through 14. If you're using the dark blue pew Bibles in front or in back or to the side of you, it is on page 829. That's 829. Again, Matthew 23, I'm sorry, 24, verses 3 through 14. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Peace to you, brothers and sisters. I'm Pastor Joseph from the Chinese congregation. I will speak to you in Chinese. Reminding you that English is not the heavenly language. Hello. A certain anthropologist uh, was doing some research on some island in the South Pacific. And as he was walking past a village, he stumbled upon an aboriginal with nothing but a pair of boxers on and reading a book under a tree. So his curiosity was piqued, and he walked over and asked what book he was reading. So the guy replied, the Bible. And so the self-assured anthropologist uh, then said with a bit of sarcasm that, you know, in a civilized society, we've done away with this book a long time ago. It's really not worth your time. The native looked up in a reply with a smile on his face and said, Dear sir, you would have been in my stomach had a, uh, if it wasn't for this book. 
know everyone agrees to the Apostle Paul when he says in Romans 1, 16 to 17, uh, that uh, it is the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The power of the gospel transforms lives. Through the indwelling and assistance of the Holy Spirit, uh, it quickens men and women and saves them from the bondage of sins and the corruption of the old self and ushers in a new life and nature from above. Today, along with the past two Sundays, we've been promoting this campaign for Adopt-A-Verse. Uh, through this endeavor, we encourage brothers and sisters to pay closer attention to the three unreached people groups in the Patib cluster. And to financially support the effort by the Sea Company to translate the Bible into their heart languages with the hope that they too can hear the gospel of the Lord. So our message along with the three uh, Sundays was to, part of this concerted effort to encourage everyone to do so. You may be familiar with the uh, verses that we read this morning, Matthew 24, 3 to 14. We know it's about Jesus talking to the disciples on Mount of Olives about what will happen in the last days. Verse 3 says, As Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Why would the disciples ask Jesus about these end-of-age questions? Well, verses 1 to 2 tells us that it was because that as they walked out of the temple, uh, the disciples were talking excitedly about the grandiosity and the magnificence of this building. But Jesus, on the contrary, really didn't show any sign of agreement. Instead, he kind of ran on their parade by saying, by predicting that even such grandiosity will eventually be leveled one day. Or the, the disciples were befuddled by his answer. So during the break on the Mount of Olives, the disciple decided to ask Jesus about the day of the destruction of the temple and the tribulations that he spoke about. They want to know what were the signs for the, the things to come. So Jesus then proceeded to describe the scenes in response to their inquiry. Well, according to John 2.20, 
The temple has been built for 46 years by the Roman Empire. The New Testament scholars agree that this technically was the third temple. But the Jews disagree. Uh, they insist that it was but a refurbishment of the one built by the returning exiles in 516 BC. With the hope of winning the Jewish favors as well as flexing his political power, uh, Herod the Great, the Roman-backed king of Judea, started building the uh, Jerusalem temple in 19 BC. Well, uh, it took about 10 years to complete according to the instructions of the teachers of the law. But 10 years really only just, to, uh, just was enough to build the main part. Although, although the style followed that of the Solomon Temple, its size was much greater. In fact, the square itself was twice as big. One can imagine with the might and the riches of the Roman Empire, this renovated temple must have been monumental. Brothers and sisters, did you detect a difference between the, uh, the disciples' understanding and Jesus' understanding of the signs of the last days? In the Old Testament, we know that when, whenever the prophets speak of the day of the Lord or the latter days, it often refers to the long expected day when the God sent Messiah would deliver them from all of their enemies. In the traditional Jewish understanding, this Messiah, who is the son of Abraham and David, is a political figure and a king with great authority and abilities. We read the Bible and we see that when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he traveled everywhere to preach powerfully the gospel of the kingdom. He healed and he lifted up the dead. Many want to crown him king. Even uh, the disciples of Jesus thought him as the Messiah Savior who was sent from God to deliver Israel from the hands of the enemies. So the disciples will very easily understand the days of their, their days to be the latter days. So therefore they were referring to the contemporary age when they were questioning him about the latter days. But you notice the answer Jesus gave was very ambivalent. Uh, it could refer to their current time or a distant future. 
。那这也是很多圣经学者说，马太福音二十四章是一个非常艰难了解的一章。This is also the reason why many scholars uh, took uh, Matthew 24 to be difficult to understand. 那二十四章三到十四节这里，我们刚所读，虽然耶稣是回答门徒末日的情况跟预兆。So here in Matthew 24:3 to 14, Jesus is explaining to the disciples about the latter days and the signs. 但你可以看见耶稣对末日的解释和门徒的认知是有蛮大的差异。In addition, he's, you know, the difference is very stark between what he talked about and what the disciples understood to be. 门徒关心的是末日的时刻什么时候会来到，有哪些预兆。The disciples were more concerned with the timing and what would happen. 那耶稣所关心向门徒所讲讲论是在末日神的救赎计划的彰显跟扩张。But Jesus was more concerned with the revelation of God's salvation plan. 他其实在这一段经文主要向门徒阐明三件有关天国福音很重要的信息。He's actually stating three crucial truths about the gospel of the kingdom. 第一就是讲到他道成肉身进入人间，揭开显明历代以来隐藏已久的救赎人类福音的这个奥秘。The first is about Jesus becoming the incarnate Word, entering the world to reveal the mystery of the gospel of salvation hidden for ages. 前面我已经提到，耶稣讲论这个末日的预兆，是因为他们从圣殿出来，门徒赞叹这个圣殿的壮观跟宏伟。I have mentioned that Jesus was speaking about the signs in response to the fact that they were marveling at the magnificence of the temple. 你会觉得有一点好像耶稣的反应并不是很正面。I will maybe a little bit puzzled at the slightly negative response of Jesus. The temple is the house of God. It is the center of Jewish worship. Jesus is God's son. The temple is his temple. It is glorious. It is the center of Jewish worship. Jesus is God's son. The temple is his temple. But Jesus rained on their parade by predicting that the decimation of the, the the temple to the point that not one stone will be left upon another. That Jesus' answer 让门徒有点莫名其妙 The disciples were baffled by his words. 刚讲你如果打开约翰福音第二章，你可以很清楚看见耶稣在逾越节上耶路撒冷决定圣殿的那一幕 In fact, when we turn to John the second chapter, we see clearly the scene of Jesus cleansing the temple during the Passover in Jerusalem. We know temple was the center of Jewish worship. But it had become a de facto marketplace during Jesus' time. The merchants were exchanging cattle, sheep, and doves for money. Jesus was angered by such practice. So he drove out the animals and turned over the money changers' tables and rebuked them for turning the temple of worship into a marketplace. Even though the Jews kept the law and worship in the temple on holidays, but they only did so outwardly. So inside, their hearts were not worshiping God truly. God knows the inner thoughts of men, and He, he examines their He examines their motivations, and He does not appreciate. The、uh, hypocrisy. That this is why the Lord Jesus told the disciples that the temple of God, the temple of God, will be destroyed in three days. Jesus was telling the disciples that this temple will be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. 
，门徒实在无法理解圣殿这么壮观伟大，怎么可能被毁？ What the disciples cannot grasp is the fact that how can a temple as big as this be torn down? And how can this temple, which took 46 years to build, be torn down and rebuilt in three days? But in fact, history indicates that the Jerusalem temple was indeed leveled by the Roman general Titus in 70 AD. This, this locale of Jewish worship, this visible center of worship, uh, and the Jewish faith, and this monumental building suddenly just disappeared. Jesus did not speak about the, the rebuilding of the temple. Jesus speaks of these uh, to indicate his impending death and resurrection in three days, that he will supplant the visible temple to become the meeting place of God and man. The statement proclaims a new era, the advent of a new age. The incarnate Son of God, Jesus, came into the world to be with the world. And he will be lifted up on the cross to be a penal substitute and to die for sinful men so that men may receive the forgiveness of sin and the reconciliation with God. God took on flesh to reveal the mystery of the redemptive history and the inauguration of the kingdom of God in the world. Indeed, it is also the beginning of the end of the age. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians 3, 5-6 that the mystery of Christ was not made known to the son of man, sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The second point is that the birth and the establishment of the church is to proclaim the mystery of the gospel of the kingdom. The coming of Jesus Christ brought God's ruling from heaven into human history. If one confesses his sin, 
and trust in Jesus, he will freely receive the salvation and become a member of God's community. He'll become a member of God's community through the death and resurrection. Therefore, the, the disciples of Christ has two kingdom uh, identities. One belongs to the current kingdom of the world, and the other to the eternal kingdom of God. This life in this world will end, but the life in God will last forever. By the coming of Jesus, the kingdom of God has now invaded this world. More and more people will believe and the kingdom will grow. But the time of God's complete ruling has not arrived and his kingdom inconsummate. We read in Matthew 24 that Jesus predicts tribulations in the latter days when the temple was leveled. This draws the attention of the disciples and they ask when the end of the age will come. I don't think the disciples were the only ones who wanted to know. We're just like them, aren't we? The disciples think the end of the age is something not very distant, but a time point. But what Jesus said is about a time period. The beginning of this period is when he incarnated and came into human history. This period will last until his second coming, and that will be the end of the latter days. And that is why when we read Matthew 24, 4-12, we sense that the signs that Jesus speaks of are showing up in our own time. In fact, starting with the incarnation of Jesus, the devil has never stopped attacking the church and God's people. And they will only end at Jesus' second coming. Although Jesus never specifies uh, the, the exact starting and ending point of the latter days, but his narrative in chapter 24 clearly indicates that from his first coming as the incarnate word to his second coming as the royal king, it is the dispensation of the latter days. We see during this end of the period, end of the age period, a crucial community was established, and it is the church. The church is composed of people who were called and elected by God, 
saved and forgiven through the cross of Jesus Christ and are members of God's family. It is an organic being that grows and develops. Before his ascension as the victor over death, Jesus commissioned them to preach the gospel. He gave the church authority and power to continue his work on earth, which is to preach Christ crucified and the forgiveness and reconciliation it brings. And that is, this is uh, the part that we're familiar with, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And we see that after the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended on the Christians to empower them, and churches start to spread like wildfires from Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the European continent, and so on. The church was established and empowered by the Lord. It has been entrusted to continue the work of preaching the kingdom gospel to turn people from darkness to light and into the kingdom of God. And for that reason, the devil continues to divide and pummel the church through means of political persecutions, false teaching, and the enticement of the vainglory of the world. And these are depicted in chapter 24. Some Christians become afraid, discouraged, indifferent to the faith, and end up wavering in their faith and apostatize. So Jesus reminds the disciples in verse 13 to endure to the end because the one who endures to the end will be saved. The church is loved by God and is by God's design. She plays an unparalleled role in preaching the gospel of Christ. And therefore, the Apostle Paul prays for the church uh, in Ephesians 1, 17 to 20. So that the Christians will recognize how precious their calling is. How richly abundant the inheritance is in the future. And how great the power is in their disposal. So that they can be valiant and enduring when facing the persecutions and the attacks and still continue to spread the gospel. The third point is that Jesus tells his disciples the gospel will be preached to the end of the earth and all peoples will come to Christ and the moment of the glorious return of Christ shall come. 
我们看见耶稣告诉门徒末日的这些预兆之后，他在十四节就说：“天国的福音要传遍天下，对万民做见证，然后末期才来到。” After telling the disciples about the signs of the latter days, Jesus says in verse 14 that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 那简单的话来说，即使教会面对许多艰难险阻，遇到很多的威胁攻击，但基督的福音却不受拦阻，不被消灭。Simply put, it means that despite the many troubles and danger, the gospel of Christ cannot be stopped. We see that historical Christians, courageous Christians, bold Christians, we see that Christians of every age exalt Christ valiantly and march onward with the help of the Holy Spirit. They testify to all nations so that all nations will turn to Christ. The Scripture tells us that the moment when the gospel has reached the ends of the earth is when Christ shall return in glory. Today, many times, we as Christians look at the world's situations, chaos, uncertainty, 啊，控制很多这一些罪恶，我们会怀疑基督的救恩是不是有可能传遍天下 ？Often we're disheartened when looking at the world with all the tumult and the unrest, with all the news about political persecutions, violent religious extremists, and seemingly total control in some areas by criminal forces. 但是答案是，是的。We ask, can the gospel of Christ really reach the end of the earth? And the answer is a resounding yes. 先知以赛亚在以赛亚书四十六章那里告诉我们，我们的神是掌管人类历史的主。Isaiah the prophet reminds us in Isaiah forty six ten that our God is the one who controls the human history. 他说他从起初就指明幕后的事，从古时便言明未成的事。说我的筹算必立定，还我所喜悦的，我必成就。And he does so by declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things not yet done. Saying, "My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose." If God is faithful, His promise will be fulfilled. But we may ask a question. From Jesus' first coming to the world to today, it's been 2,000 years. It's been so long. Why does He not come soon? But we may ponder: if it's been more than 2,000 years since the first coming of Jesus, why hasn't He come to judge? How much longer will it take? 在彼得后书三章八到九节，彼得告诉我们这样说：“哦，亲爱的，有一件事情你们不可忘记，就是主看一日如千年，千年如一日。主没有迟延他的应许，就如有人以为他是迟延，其实他是宽容你们，不愿一人沉沦，而是人人都来悔改。” The Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, 8-9, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, brothers and sisters, we value time, but God values souls. Today, we, as God's children, in this chaotic, turbulent, uncertain generation, we should take advantage of this time. In this tumultuous time, 
we ought to be resonating with our Heavenly Father's desire to preach this precious gospel to the unbelievers so that they have a chance to hear it while they're alive. In the world today, there are still more than a thousand people groups that don't have the Bible in their own heart that is why for the past three Sundays we've been promoting this campaign. And we hope that you will adopt a verse at a cost of $35 so that the unreached groups in the Petit Cluster uh, may have their own Bible. So they may hear the gospel of our Lord and become children of God. Finally, I will end my message with a story. More than two decades ago, there was an Oscar-winning movie called Schindler's List. Some of us have watched this before. The movie depicts the Schindlers uh, saving more than a thousand Jews by employing them to work from a Nazi concentration camp. This is the ending of the movie. Uh, the Jews were liberated after the surrender of Germany. As Oscar Schindler was packing up to leave, a representative of the workers handed him a letter. It's, uh, it's to defend his role during the war so that in case he was captured by the Allies, uh, the letter uh, includes what Schindler has, di- has done for the Jews along with all of their signatures. In addition, he, they gave him a golden ring as a gift with the inscription, Whoever saves one life saves the world entire, a proverb from the Talmud. Uh, he was very excited and he was very appreciative when he wore the ring. But uh, nonetheless, he started muttering after putting the ring on, I could have got more. Uh, why did I keep the car? Ten people, ten more right there. If I pawn off this golden uh, pen, then this could be two more people. He, regret, he regretted the fact that he did not do it. He could have saved more Jews. He, he beat himself up when presented with the gratitude of the Jews. Brothers and sisters, one day we will all stand before the judgment seat. How shall we offer our account? Let us not be indifferent to the souls of the unreached people. They are loved by God. If we eat out a few times less, we can save even more souls by the translation of the Bible. If 
就是因为你的慷慨奉献，他才有机会看到圣经，听到主的福音，然后相信耶稣。One day when we're in heaven, there will be many who you don't recognize will come to thank you because it was your generosity that afforded them the chance to read the Bible. What a joyful and glorious moment it will be to see our meager contribution to bring a person from darkness into light. 我深信这样奉献来支持圣经翻译的行动是神所喜悦的。I believe it will please our Lord to see the endeavor of supporting Bible translation. 但愿我们彼此鼓励、激发爱心、勉励行善，我们一起来投入认养圣经经文的这样的事工，来完成主所托付给我们这伟大的使命。Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to do good works, and to join together to work、uh, to the work of adopting the Bible verses, so that we may finish the work entrusted to us by the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly 可以向你求恩惠得怜悯，我们可以称你为父，何等的恩典！主，我们就求你帮助我们，能够体会天父的心肠，明白主的心意，知道你是那位慷慨乐意人来亲近你的神，以至于我们承接这样伟大的使命，在这样一个诡谲多变、恶者控制的一个时代的里面，我们透过圣经翻译。这样的一个事工，可以让更多未得知名的灵魂来认识耶稣基督，以至于他跟我们一样同得这个宝贵的救恩。主，我们就求你感动弟兄姐妹的心，主啊，让我们在这样的一个时刻，我们心里被主的话所引导，以至于我们愿意将你所赏赐给我们的金钱，我们用在主的工作上面，深知这是主所喜悦。谢谢恩主提醒我们，在我们这样的一个世代的里面，我们可以来聆听主道，愿意你的话继续在我们生活当中来感动，奉主耶稣基督的圣名，阿门。